Well, hello, listeners. We are joined together today with a guest all the way from Iowa, um, apparently, allegedly, the heart of the Midwest. So that <laughs> might have to be a, a uh, place of debate and contention later on. But uh, we're joined today with Jake Johnson. Hey, hey, man, how you doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Joey, for having me on the podcast. Uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Jacob Johnson. My wife and I serve as AGWM missionaries to Africa, planting Chi Alpha, uh, where it hasn't been planted. And also, as a side gig, I am also a fiction author that goes by the pen name J.J. Johnson. Yeah, man. There's too many Jake Johnsons out there already. <laughs> yeah, man. There's J.J. Abrams and everything else. Yeah. So it's like, who's better, you or J.J. Abrams? Well, I think JJ's got me beat right now. He <laughs> he got to film Star Wars, so yeah. well, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't yeah. good. Debatable. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he quote unquote filmed Star Wars, but uh, that's a, that that is a totally different discussion. Yeah. We won't go there today. But hey, man, thanks for joining us. We're so excited to have you because we've not had a guest that talks about. Um, you know, just kind of like writing and the creative process. I just thought it was really intriguing. Um, you know, that you're also a fiction author and um, just kind of wanted to touch base a little bit of like, where did that all start? You know, so I know a lot of times Christians, missionaries, pastors, they end up writing books like that are ministry related as far as like, here's like a life on humility or prayer books or, you know, things like that, things that kind of are equipping or devotional. Um, But it's less common that people are like, fiction writers, you know, and creating like an, like a fantasy world and stuff. So where did that all start and like kind of what's the motivation behind that? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I think uh, for me, just growing up in general, I love a good fiction story. My favorite movies of all time are Lord of the Rings, like probably a lot of guys my age, right? Christian white guys. <laughs> we love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, uh, but, uh, and also Narnia was a big influence for me. And I love stories that could communicate a powerful message, but were great standalone stories on their own, right? Like you mm-hmm. didn't feel like, oh, this agenda was being shoehorned into the story, but there was something about those stories that resonate with all of us, right? Struggle right. and triumph and uh, loss and comfort and all these, you know, all these different themes that are tied in. And so for me, being someone who loved stories like that, uh, you know, my imagination's always running. I'm always thinking about, oh, you know, world building is, is fun for me, right? And yeah. so one day, my wife and I were driving to a small church in Fort Dodge, Iowa. I can remember it's snow everywhere. Um, you know, my mind was just spacing on the drive. And it's kind of this idea, this outline for this book popped into my head. And I thought, man, this would be a cool story. Like, this would be legit. I think it would be good. And then I said, but I'm not going to write it because <laughs> I'm itinerating. We just had a daughter. Uh, I got too many things going on. I don't want to write this story. Uh, but, you know, the more I thought about it, the more it just, I kept getting reminded of it uh, and I couldn't let it go. And so finally I sat down, found a like map making program online, kind of drew out a map and I thought, well, I guess it's over now. I have to write this story. So <laughs> yeah, totally. that's, that's, that's how it started. Cool. That's super cool. Yep. That, that is cool. I love like the creative process. Um, I like went to school for video, and it's so, like I love the create of anything creative. 
But I love hearing people's like where they get ideas. Like a lot of times, like our pastoralists say, like, "Yeah, I got my sermon idea when I was washing the dishes." <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, like where do you get a lot of your inspiration from? Especially being a missionary, going different places. Um, I'd love to hear like where you get a lot of inspiration. Yeah, I definitely think you know we're all products of the stories and experiences we have, right? And so there's definitely themes uh, and maybe images from other stories. Like, you know, not to say in A King's Return, the book, it's like, oh yeah, I took this from Lord of the Rings and just put a different picture on it. But like, we're inspired by those kind of stories, right? And so I think that whole medieval knight swords kind of feel has always been the vibe that I enjoyed the most. And so it definitely led into that book. But it's interesting. There's a character uh, in the book. It follows three perspectives. So three different characters from the various kingdoms or whatever. One of them is a guy named Imari who comes from kind of an African-esque culture. Mm -hmm. And so I think having that heart for Africa, living in Africa for a time, I thought that was a unique perspective that not a lot of fantasy fiction stories. I know there's a book series. I can't remember the name of it right now that just came out that kind of has that with some dragons or something. But there's not a lot of books that have the African perspective or an African culture at the front. Um, And so I wanted to be able to um, maybe give something a little bit different within the story, if that makes sense, and give a perspective and a culture. Plus, I think for me, it's fun uh, to write from different cultural uh, aesthetics and just the way that people operate. It's not, you know, if it's all just kind of Nordic, uh, Viking, you know, knights or whatever, uh, there's not a lot of variety in that, not a lot of color. So I wanted to add a little bit more of that to the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool, man. So for those who are listening, what is this book you're talking about? You know, so like, what's yeah. the title? Is it a standalone? Is it like you're building like a, yep. you know, Harry Potter seven book world? Like, <laughs> so what, what can we expect? And like, kind of what's the main drive of the story? Uh, so the series, it's going to be a trilogy. Um, it's called Kingdoms of Islandia. And the first book released back in August of 2020. And it's titled A King's Return. And essentially that book is about uh, this high king named Eloy had basically found this ancient scroll that warned of uh, this old dark enemy, this nemesis that had attacked and almost wiped out the kingdom thousands of years ago. But, uh, they eventually were defeated and retreated and no one had ever heard from them again, but that this prophecy basically warned that they were going to return and that they needed to go back to this homeland that they had fled from again, thousands of years ago to find the key, the solution to solve this. So he, in the story, it picks up about 30 years after he's left and he's placed his, the five kingdoms in the hands of various Kings. Um, and one of them, the leader of all these kingdoms, is named uh, Richard. And Richard, at the very beginning of the book, it's not really a, a spoiler because it's on the back of the book, yeah. uh, gets assassinated. And it yeah. throws the kingdom into turmoil. And so you get these various perspectives on both sides of the conflict mm. um, of who are they going to serve, right? That's the main kind of premise of the book. Are they going to stay loyal to Eloy, the high king? Do they believe he's going to return and come back? Or are they going to carve out a path of their own and make their own kingdom for themselves? So that's kind of book one. Uh, the good news is, is if you're interested and you want to pick that up, book two is actually coming out this month, hey. April 27th. 
Uh, and I won't say too much about that because I don't want to ruin uh, book one for you. But sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so full disclosure, book one is on my nightstand. I'm reading, um, uh, uh, we were talking about a book that I was reading beforehand before we were started recording. As soon as I'm done with that, I'm going to pick up your book and start it because like, I love fantasy reading right before bed because I spend a lot of my day like as a pastor, like studying scripture, reading like Christian theology, ministry equipping books. You know, I like to go to bed not thinking about anything like serious, you know, but at the same time, I, I, I definitely resonate with what you're saying about different stories, just communicating truth, sometimes even better than a sermon or a teaching or a, a ministry equipping book. I remember just the first time I ever read the Chronicles of Narnia, like I was like, this is like my entire Bible school put into a 150 page book. You know what I mean? Like, and so I just really love that idea of being able to tell truth and story and morality worldview uh, from a story. So would you say that your literature is um, not necessarily shoehorning a Christian worldview, but like Christian literature or like Christian themes, like coming through in your storytelling? Yeah. And before maybe I dive into that, there's a very quick story. Sure. I remember uh, scrolling on Twitter, and uh, there was a young girl who basically was sharing her story about how um, she, her and her brother were either from Iraq or Iran, and they both were adopted to the state, but they were separated at some point, I guess. And she grew up in a Christian home uh, and, you know, read Chronicles of Narnia and all this stuff, got together with her brother later on in life, and his story was kind of the opposite, really grew up in a rough situation. Uh, but they got to talking and he shared how he had read the Chronicles of Narnia and growing up and how those were a source of hope for him in the midst of like a lot of the dark stuff that he was going through. Wow. And in the Twitter post, the girl put, I almost fell out of my seat because I realized my brother has encountered Aslan, wow. right? That he doesn't maybe know who Jesus is yet. He may not, you know, even trust who God is yet, but he has encountered Aslan. He has encountered maybe a glimpse of who God is in a fiction story, right? And yeah. I think for me, that's exactly what I want these books to be. Not, I wanted them to be standalone story all on their own that if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you could read them and appreciate them. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make maybe even a more mature Narnia, if that makes sense. Sure, so yeah. obviously Narnia is tailored more towards kids. Um, but I wanted to maybe, uh, touch on some of the darker issues, right? That like there is darkness in this world. There is difficulty. Good people die. Right. And right. what, what do we do when that stuff happens? How do we respond? Um, and so I wanted to add a little bit of that into the book, but yes, definitely there are Christian themes and there is a figure in the book. I would say that's equivalent to like an Aslan, right? That okay. you will sure, look sure. at them. If you're a Christian, you'll say, oh, yeah, this guy's the guy, right? Yeah, totally. um, I, I think that's pretty obvious, but I wanted – it was really, really important for me that these stories could stand on their own um, for both Christian and non-Christian. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that aspect of kind of reaching the world with your book. It's not just for, like, a Christian audience, but hopefully, like, when other people read it, they see Jesus through the lens even though they might not know it. <laughs> um, but, like, how hard is that because – I know like sometimes, how, how do you make it like relatable 
to like readers who maybe don't grow up like in a church culture, but yet they can read this book and really pick up characteristics of who God is without knowing it. Like how, like the process of making that relatable, if that makes sense. <laughs> without making it yeah, like no, pure flicks. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, that is a challenge, right? But I think part of writing, uh, any author, right? You talked about Rawlings and Lewis uh, and Tolkien, that we write parts of ourselves, right? That those stories, you know, we don't know them personally, so we don't know, you know, necessarily what what they're putting into the book of themselves. But I think uh, when you write, like as a Christian, as someone who believes that Jesus is truly Lord, that has to bleed into what you're writing into, right? right. And I think, you know, some people may look at my story and say, oh, there's some cliches in there, like good versus evil or what. But, you know, we live in a world that wants to paint everything gray, right? And there are a lot of gray areas, and that's expressed in this book, and gray characters even. Um, but at the end of the day, we are in a fight, right? That there is there is a good and there is an evil. Uh, and what side ultimately are we going to give our allegiance to? What side are we going to choose to say, this is Lord? And I think one of the ways maybe um, that you can have Christian themes and walk people through that is having characters that are going through that same journey, right? That they have experienced evil. They have experienced hurt. They have experienced betrayal. All these things that all of us have experienced at some point, and they are confronted with this character that challenges everything that they've come to believe, right? Or it challenges them to think differently or to act differently in the response to enemies or whatever. And I think that's the same thing that Jesus did in his own storytelling, right? The, the Good yeah. Samaritan isn't just about being a good neighbor, but it's about what do you do when the most hated people are the ones that help you, right? And how do you, how do you respond? And so I think uh, that's one way that I've tried to make the story um, not palatable, but relatable to people who may not be Christians and also yeah. challenge Christians as well, right? Yeah, totally. So I have a question for you because it's, it's a little bit maybe, um, how do you say it? It's a little bit self-seeking because I, I'm writing myself. So this is kind of like not only for <laughs> listeners, but also for me. A um, couple of yep. like kind of a, it's like a dual question of like it's really hard to write. You know, like what yep. are some like best practices uh, for like as, as, uh, aspiring writers that want to whether it's fiction, whether it's any kind of writing that want to write something. What are some like pro tips that you can give? And also, it's like, how many times did you need to write your story before you felt like, oh, man, this is great? Was it like you did one draft and you're like, this is a masterpiece? Or it's like, no, this is crap. I need to, like, rewrite a whole bunch of it. Like, yeah, so can you just kind of, like, explain yep. that process a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, I'll start with the first question, I okay, guess, sure. of maybe some pro tips. I think the most important thing, especially if you're considering, well, any sort of publishing, but especially if you're self-publishing, is find someone who's done it before, right? Find someone who's kind of that one or two or three steps ahead of you mm -hmm. that can help you, right? That That's willing to help you. Because there's a lot of people out there, too, that don't really want to give you the time of day or they see you as competition sure, or whatever, yeah, right? <laughs> or they're too big wigs. But, um, but find someone that you trust, that you know, that can help you in that process. And not just, you know, tell you what to do, but give you uh wisdom on okay here are because there's so many ways you can go so many ways to publish uh and i think each writer has to decide what is the goal of this book right mm -hmm. and i'd say number two 
going into it, don't think, you know, that you're going to be the next J.K. Rawlings or C.S. Lewis. But, like, publish your story, put in the work, uh, and let it be what it is, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, if you're just trying to hit it big, uh, you're probably going to be disappointed, right? Like, I don't know if The King's Return is ever going to be a bestseller. Uh, I would love that, and I'm going to put as much work into it as I can to make that happen. But at the like, at the end of the day, you have to be happy that you wrote the story, right? Like, that's a big accomplishment, just sitting down and putting pen to paper. Uh, I think writing-wise, uh, for me, I think this is the part where it's different for everybody, right? That there's whatever your process is, let that be your process. For me, it's I love to just write it all the way through, get the whole story out. Um, kind of, it doesn't matter about grammar. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. Just write the whole thing from beginning to end. And then I go back. I usually give myself like a week break, right? And then I'll go back um, and really try and, you know, like tweak some things. Maybe there's some continuity errors within the story. Uh, I remember one time writing, I had totally forgotten that a character would should be in a scene, right? Like they should be at this specific event. And I didn't even include them. So I had to go back and find a way to like write them into the story that made sense. Um, but I think writing it all the way through and then correcting it. And, you know, I don't want to ramble too, too long on this, but I think um, each book that I've written, I'm about to publish two and I've written three all the way through. I just kind of in the editing process. Each book has been like a learning curve, right? Like book one, it's probably my sloppiest book. You're going to find some grammar errors in there. You're going to find some editing stuff um, just because it's a lot of money to get all this done and whatever. But book two, I learned, okay, I need to pay more attention to this. Like I can't just trust one or two people to read through this and that it's going to be a clean copy. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think there's learning curves and there's, you know, just being willing to be okay with it. Not being perfect is Mm -hmm. probably my last advice is like, at the end of the day, unless you're like with Harper Collins or Zondervan and, you know, they're paying for all this stuff for you, like your book's probably not going to be as, you know, like 100% polished as theirs. Uh, but it's still a great story. So hold your head up high, right? Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a big, big accomplishment just to get something done that you love. I was actually just watching a short doc before I came and it was on uh, Gatorade, like how they made Gatorade, which I kind of knew the basis of it. But the guy who made it um, was kind of talking about like, man, a lot of people, they don't go out and say, I'm going to invent something or I'm going to create something. It's usually like, I have this problem or this issue that I need to fix. And then they go out and do it, you know, which I think is very relatable to like creative stuff. Like you have something that you want to make creatively. And sometimes it's not like I want to invent something. It's like, I need to fix this urge like within me, so to speak. But I'm curious, like, John, have you like heard like from people like response from your book? And like, what do you want people to take away most from your book? Like, what is something like, man, they got what I was trying to say? Yeah, no, that's good. I I think one of the most encouraging uh, responses I ever got was right after I published the book, you know, your friends and family are all going to tell you, yeah, it's the best thing ever or whatever. Your mom's going (laughs) to read it 15 times and all that good stuff. But that doesn't tell you if it's an actual good story, right? Um, but I had a guy, I had posted it on Facebook market, you know, I'm just posting everywhere to just try and get the word out. And a guy messaged me and was like, dude, you know, I took a chance. I bought your book cause I saw it on Facebook and it looked kind of cool. He's like, I read it in two days. I loved it. Like mm. when's the next one coming out? Can you, can I get a signed copy from you? And like, and you know, 
since then there have been several people that I have no relational ties with that have sent encouraging stuff or really, really loved it um, and have given really good feedback. And so for an author, like, you know, all of us have an ego that likes to get stroked, but at the same time, (laughs) it's just nice to know that you wrote a story that other people actually appreciate. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, you are writing it for yourself, but you're writing it so other people can go on this adventure with you. So it's pretty cool to see people you don't know, um, experiencing that. And will you remind me of the second half of your question? I forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, what do you want people to get most out of your books? Like, man, they they got it. I was trying to say. Yeah. I think the biggest, uh, if you're looking at the series as a whole, I, I really want people to understand that who you serve and what you give your life towards matters that, you know, a lot of people are running out there thinking that, you know, they aren't serving anything that, you know, I'm free, I'm free to do whatever I want. But at the end of the day, we are all serving something, right? We are all giving our Lordship, our, um, our love, our worship, if you will, to something. And so I really want people to look at themselves at their own life and say, is what I'm worshiping, if what I'm giving my Lordship leading me to where I want to go, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that the place that I want to end up at? And who is, who is the Lord of my life? Yeah. That's awesome. It's good. Man, I love that. I love, um, so I love like just touching on that, man, they got it kind of thing. I remember, um, two of my favorite authors, JK Rowling and Andrew Peterson, they're the only two authors ever to make me audibly say no out loud as I was reading. There was two moments, like one in Harry Potter and one in the Wingfeather saga, that something so like I did not want that to happen. But it was like and it was exactly you could tell that's exactly what was supposed to get the reaction out of. And I'm just like and so I felt really good when um so my wife has kind of read my um draft I have chapter by chapter. Mm -hmm. I think I'm like eight chapters in or something. And I, I put a moment in there that's kind of like a you know, gasp. Um, yeah. And she goes, what? And like, as she was reading it and I'm like, yes, that's <laughs> totally what I wanted to happen. Yep. So um, have you had any moments like that where, you know, somebody's like, I couldn't believe this happened or like, how could you do this to that character? I hated that you did that. Like, yeah, yeah there's definitely a few plot twists in book one that, mm. uh, you, you know, some, some people might see it coming because, there are those people out there that are just pros, but I've had a few people say, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize this was going to happen or, you know, I, I think in book one, it's more like you're going to end up hating a character more than you're going to end up liking a character. But, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, there's, there's a few moments of those throughout the series. I will say that. Yeah. Mm, okay. That's, that's really cool. <laughs> Do you ever see yourself using these books on your mission field? You know, so like using this to like teach, not necessarily like quote unquote theology, which it will, because everybody has. Don't get me started on that too. Everybody has a theology. You're always teaching something, but it's like you know to kind of use as um, you know like Christian literature, like illustrative for like a moral teaching, or especially for those in um, you're going to Africa of like where they may not know Jesus, but could really connect with a story. Do you ever see yourself maybe using your books like that? Yeah, I think the biggest tool that I would love to see the books used as for other people and especially in our own ministry um, is showing the students that we're going to be ministering to Mm -hmm. that 
the content and the career and the life that you live doesn't always have to be blatantly, obviously Christian. Mm -hmm. You can use your creativity, you can use, you know, your musical talents, whatever that might be, to create God-honoring material, God-honoring content. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, whether someone wants to be a YouTube star or someone wants to be an author or whatever, that they can put that hope in a story um, and they can live that out in their life that doesn't, you know, they don't have to be a pastor or a missionary to be someone, a person of hope, a person of new creation. You know what I mean? And I think the other side of that too, which is really cool, uh, actually, the team in Mozambique, one of their goals is to create a print shop uh, for the Chi Alpha ministry that they have because Mm -hmm. there's literally no printing of Christian materials in the country. Like no one's doing that. And so their goal, their hope is to create some of the first theological Mozambique content out of that Kyle ministry. Oh, and one wow. of the cool opportunities is they're actually having some of the students translate my book into Portuguese hey. so that they can <laughs> just share it with other people. So that that is a really cool opportunity yeah. for sure. That's super cool. That is Man, cool. I wonder, you would just have to wonder if it cleanly translates mm. or if yeah. you'd be like, no, that's not what I mean at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> oh man, that's a super cool I don't speak Portuguese, I won't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. It's like, hopefully somebody doesn't walk away completely offended by the book with the wrong idea because somehow like a word doesn't translate in por- Portuguese. But the, man, that's super cool, man. That's, that's a really cool opportunity. That is, yep. yeah, that, man, yeah. I was thinking about that when you're talking about like Africa. Like, I wonder if, like, when you mentioned, like, oh, you're gonna share it with your people that you encounter. I'm like, well, can they read English? Like, I don't know how. Yeah. Uh, that's true, uh, yeah. But, um, but no, that's cool. Like, just seeing how people react differently to different like stories, books. Like for me, I love documentaries. I love a short film. But like, I know you love more like fictional, like books, short stories, and like how there's a need across the board for all those things and for Jesus to be represented in every area of life. Um, and just kind of relating that to, to different people, which is not always the easiest thing to do, but I mean, if Jesus bleeds through your life, it should be natural, right? Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So, so Jake, do you have any resources that you have used as a writer, as a creator that has helped you, um, kind of hone your craft, whether it's Christian, non-Christian, masterclass maybe you host a masterclass secretly that we don't know about (laughs) anything like that yeah so when i talked about earlier one of the keys is finding a mentor someone who's kind of gone before you Uh, i have a good buddy named brandon parta cooper who had helped me because i had recently seen he had published a book so i reached out to him and i just said hey man you know i'm interested in creating this story but I have no clue about the publishing part. I know I have no clue where to go with this. And so he really was helpful about laying kind of these three roadmaps, basically, that you can go down to publish. And so I opted with the one that he had gone, which was Author Academy Elite. There's other things. Westbow Press is kind of another mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, and essentially what they did was they create an entire course from like, hey, you have an idea to write a book to... Literally, you're going to have a pre-launch party or a post-launch party, rather, for your book. So they kind of walk you from concept to launch day. And it was super, super helpful, especially because I went the self-publishing route um, to understand like, oh, wow, there's way more to this than I even thought. Like, how do you get your book in Barnes & Noble or any other box store? How 
You know, where do you go to get cover art? Oh, you have to design your interior files. You can't just put a word document in there. You know what I mean? It's like all these different things. Um, so it was super, super helpful, um, to be able to just learn how to do it. So then later on, you know, I didn't necessarily need to go through that entire course again. Um, I knew how to do it on my own basically. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there a preferred destination of purchase for you or is it just like anywhere you can find it, buy that book, give feedback? (laughs) I think, you know, honestly, the biggest, um, market for anything anymore is Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I make, I maybe make one less dollar if someone buys it from Amazon than if they just bought it directly from me. Uh, but I think Amazon's the best because that's where people look to get reviews. You know, that's where it's the most convenient. It'll show up at your door tomorrow. And being in Africa uh, here pretty soon, I can't mail it to you anyway. So I'd say <laughs> Amazon, honestly, yeah, is, uh, totally. probably the best route. Very cool. When is your projected release for your third book? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I would say my original goal was fall of this year, fall or winter. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps maybe very beginning of next year. Okay. Kind of what I'm shooting for. Okay. I wanted to get everything out pretty quickly. Um, just so there wasn't, you know, a huge time gap between books. So people could kind of get through the series all at once. I, I don't know about you, but that's one of my biggest pet peeves is like when the in-between books take about like three or four years to come yeah. out and you've basically <laughs> gotten everything anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember as a kid, I was in fifth grade. I read through the first four Harry Potter books. And mm. five was not out yet. And I'm just like, what do I do with my life? You know? And yep. so, yeah, I, I enjoy, I very much enjoy, like I had all of Narnia at once, Lord of the Rings, you know, Wing Feather Saga, all of those things. I had them all at once to read. So I am definitely a fan of just give me all the books so that, <laughs> so that I yeah. can read them. <laughs> you got I mean, books? who starts a Netflix series when it's in the middle of it, right? Yeah, totally. We would, just go all the way through it. It's going to get canceled anyways, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, Totally. Uh, no, I was just to say, you know, thanks for making good art that has like a Christian meaning to it. I know me and Joey talk about it a lot and I even talk about it with my roommates cause it's like a pet peeve of mine. I was even telling pastor of like how much like Christian art out there is just cheesy or, you know, just like not, not relatable for a lot of people. And like, for me, it's like, it's frustrating cause we have the best story to tell, you know, which is the story yeah, okay. of Jesus and in our life. And like, why can't we put that in a way that is captivating to everyone? Um, so yeah, thanks yep. for like putting work into that and actually striving to make Jesus known, but also just great art because <laughs> that's important. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think the church should be the most creative, the hardest thinking, uh, and the most generous, loving, restorative people on the planet, right? Absolutely. Like that's what we were, we were created to be. Obviously, uh, we don't always do that so well, but I think that's the challenge of what it means to be, you know, new creation people living in the present, right? That the world should look at us, not just for the, the right beliefs or the right things to say, but we're also living that out. And so I think that can bleed into every aspect of life. Right. And I think that's encouraging for people too. Like there's people who have a passion for the environment or there's people who have passion for music or creative content. And I think all of that can be used for the glory of God in an amazing uh, quality too. It doesn't have to be downgraded just because we're christians right yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah totally that's awesome well hey the final thing i'm going to ask you for our interview is so you're claiming iowa is the heart of the midwest so, <laughs> so so something we do every 
Um, every episode of the Pothole Pastors podcast, we have this nice little oat button. Oh, wait. Can you hear that? Oh. Can you hear that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's my wife actually saying Ope because she is the most Midwestern person I know. Um, that's true. So that's the Ope trigger. So we need to know, um, we do what we call Midwest moments. And so yeah. um, just something that absolutely epitomizes the Midwest. So if Iowa is truly the heart of the Midwest, <laughs> you should have a great story for us that epitomizes <laughs> Iowa's Midwestness. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot now. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. We do say oh, so we're we're with you on that. Yeah. Um, let's see. You know, most people just consider that we have nothing and we just have a bunch of corn lying around everywhere, and that we're all hick farm. But hey, we are the insurance capital of the world, so we have our claim to fame that no one actually knows about, but we're all super proud of. Uh, <laughs> Our college teams are more important than our pro teams, right? Because we're yeah, not big uh, enough yeah. to have pro teams. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I would say that if you are from Iowa, this is the most Iowan thing of it all. Okay. All right. Especially if you're a Hawkeye fan and an Iowa State fan, too. But if you're an Iowa fan, if you do not wear an Iowa t shirt when you go on vacation somewhere, like if you're not walking around Florida with an Iowa Hawkeyes t shirt on, showing your pride from being from Iowa, then you're not a true Iowan, my friend. Like, (laughs) it's an an Iowan staple to wear your sports team wherever you go. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's funny. Do you have a a Midwest moment for this week? I do, yes. I was, so I go home and visit my family often because they're close. And usually when I go home, we go to an Amish store, uh, which is called... Yes. Yes. Which is, called, which is called Troyer's. And I actually love going because they have like some really good deals. But they always have a bulletin board of like events going on as you walk into the store. And this one caught my eye. It was like a three-day all weekend. It was like a horse and wagon like race. <laughs> and they had like different tiers of like you can buy this ticket and you get this much access. I mean, it was like legit. I'm like, who in the world? Who's is- getting multiple tiers to a horse yeah. wagon exactly. race? <laughs> I was just like, this is the Midwest. Like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was, it may have been last week. It wasn't this week because this week was gorgeous all week. But I think it was last week. Um, so last week, but the week before last week was gorgeous, awesome weather, beautiful. Like, yeah, we went out to the reservoir with our dog. He swam in the water. It was great. Well, the next week, Monday through Friday, I'm pretty sure we experienced every (laughs) bit of weather. (laughs) Like we had sunshine, cloud, rain and snow i'm almost certain we may not have had rain but we definitely had snow you remember you remember the morning we woke up and it was like it was on april fool's day too so it's just like it was the midwest april fools to us that we had snow after it had been so nice and i said the line that every midwesterner has said since since the the beginning of time (laughs) i walked outside i was walking my dog and i said it would not be so bad if it wasn't for the wind. <laughs> yep. And I was like, that wind get you every time. In the every Midwest. time. And I'm like, dang it. I did it again. It's just like, I can't not do it. So that, 
That is absolutely the epitome. I love what my pastor said because we were that same week we were complaining and pastor's like, I believe that God puts an intern in charge of weather during the months of March and April. <laughs> and I'm like, that is very true. <laughs> That's too fun. Well, hey, Jake, So thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate hearing your heart and appreciate your work. I'm looking forward to reading that book. And hopefully we will see an adaptation on the screen one day. I'm just, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but I am going to speak that into existence <laughs> and just say that it's going to happen. And if you ever need come on, people. Come don't it up in here. Yeah, babe. come on, man. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland, everybody, you know, I'll get everybody in on this one. But... Um, Oh man, we probably offended some people, but whatever, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> but, um, Please go buy the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Buy the book. Don't take this out on Jake. Take it out on me. You can cancel our podcast, but at least go get the book. But um, hey, I'll have you hang around, and we'll tell you how, how we'll distribute it and stuff like that um, here afterwards. But listeners, thanks so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Yep. See you guys.